Hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And this is a podcast about Alaska. Yeah, interesting 24 hours. Uh, We're recording this at actually 10.59 a.m. on Saturday, so... Uh, a twenty, exa- almost exactly twenty-four hours since the governor announced uh, almost four hundred million dollars in additional veto or line-item vetoes that hit things like the university, uh, Medicaid, um, a bunch of other social safety net programs, a bunch of programs that kind of paid for themselves, and uh, a lot of stuff a lot of people cared about. It seems like. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been really interesting to see people's reaction. Actually, I talked to several people who are directly impacted, who are concerned about their jobs, who are talking about leaving the state, who don't know where their kids are going to go to school. I don't know. I feel like overall this hasn't been done with a lot of like humility or concern um, or caution. I mean, that's the thing that's kind of the most striking is that a lot of the cuts that were rolled out on Friday were pretty much the same kind of cuts that that the governor had proposed on February 13th when he released his sort of his version of the budget. So, you know, and uh, some of the cuts come in smaller, but when you combine them with what the legislature legislature cut, they pretty much just line up with um, what he did. So, you know, the university's cut $135 million total. Um, you know, the senior benefits program is completely defunded. Ocean Rangers program is completely defunded. Uh, public broadcasting is defunded. Um, uh, the Alaska State Council for the Arts that you might know something about has been completely defunded. Um, yeah. The big thing is that, like, we never really saw the justification for these cuts throughout the legislative process. Legislators across the board really said, like, what are you thinking here? Yeah, when they first came in to to talk about the governor's proposed budget, they they pitched it as that. They pitched it as like, hey, guys, this is just a proposed budget. Let's not freak out because it's just a proposal. Uh, they didn't really do their homework. They they came in with some, some like half-baked justification. And a lot of the data that was requested of them by, by House Finance and Senate Finance wasn't really provided. And it it was um, like when when I interviewed Donna Ardman, we talked about that. The um, she was supposed to provide this like list of like it was like the foundation of how they um, made the determination for this cuts was that they went through every department and created these prioritized lists, which we were all going to see, and then that just evaporated. That just never came to to public light. Right. And so they, you know a lot of it was just sort of like, hey, look over there, we've got some justification, whatever hand waving, and and then. And then, boom, here's your budget. And then they, they were able to navigate that by just saying, well, hey, guys, this is the start of a conversation. This is our proposed budget. Do with it what you will. But but now we're back to square one. We're back to their proposed budget, and it never really had that justification to begin with. And, and we had to wait till the very last minute to see it, too. I mean, that's the crazy thing. The budget's been passed, really has been kind of all sort of settled since May 15th. Um, and then it was passed over, what, a week and a half ago now, or almost two weeks ago. And... And, and this is it, you know, and it just doesn't seem like I think this is the thing I, I can continually kind of come back to is that there's a world in which, you know, I think there's there's some form of conservative leadership, Republican leadership that um, that that has a vision towards a better Alaska. And you can kind of would be able to point to the pieces in there. Um, you know, maybe it's economic development, maybe it's resource development or maybe, you know, it's or, or energy projects or whatever. That's not really even in here. There's not like any sort of vision pushing the state forward. It's just kind of this bizarre dismantling of it. 
And, you know, and you look at where all the cuts are coming from, especially, you know, they are coming from rural Alaska. You know, he vetoed $6 million from the VPSO program the same day that the U.S. Attorney General William Barr announced a, a law enforcement um, disaster or emergency in Alaska. And so so his answer to a lot of these cuts, you know, that why, why cut senior benefits program? You know, these are payments to very... Uh, you know, poor seniors, basically, um, helps them get along. And, and his, his response is that, well, a $3,000 PFD will solve some of these problems. And he, some of these problems. He didn't even say all these problems, but some of these problems. And uh, it kind of hurts. Yeah, you can't, you can't buy a university with your $3,000 PFD. Right. I was talking to my mom about this yesterday, and, um, the, you know, she said, I don't, I don't know what to say. We have, I guess we just have a governor who hates government. And it's like exactly what has happened. We've got someone in there, use, use the word dismantle. And I think that's exactly what this is about. It's about just dismantling government. And it's it doesn't seem like a very, I don't know, it seems like a very strange thing for him to do. Well, and it was interesting that, I mean, I wonder how much he was doing it, right? I mean, so his, he has the press conference to announce it. Um, and we're at 11.05 right now. So he's about at the point where he would have been stepping away from the podium and saying, okay, here's Budget Director Donna Arduin to tell you about all the cuts. And then yeah. she kind of sort of pushes him aside and then you know tells us about basically none of the justification for the cuts. These are not even any numbers or any sort of scope or any sort of like, it's just we've cut the university, we've cut this, we've cut that, we've cut this. Yeah. And they just kind of grocery listed it. They're like, hey, yeah. this is all the stuff we cut. You got any questions? And then the, and then it went, uh, the, that was hilarious. Actually, watching the press conference was was wild because every time there was a hard question, Dunleavy had to dive out of the way and Donna Ardwin would take the podium again. And it's just like. Yeah, or even or even the spokesman like, Shakiro had to step in a few times yeah. um, and take over and answer questions about like the Ocean Ranger program, which pays for itself. Yeah. And so I don't know what happens next. You know, I know there are legislators scrambling to try and count noses. Um, there may be they may be able to get a package of vetoes overturned, but it all has to happen very quickly. Right. Like this is a five day window we're looking at. They're meeting on July 8th. Uh, they would have five days from there. So this isn't like a five days from the, the point of veto. It's five days from the point of the legislature convening. That's my understanding. OK, well, that's better. That's good. That gives a little more little more wiggle room. I think that the legislature should hold public testimony on this now. I think that um, from what I've seen, I think people are more engaged at this point than ever before because I think the cuts that the governor had proposed were so um, so kind of extreme that I think a lot of people didn't take them seriously. I think a lot of people in the legislature didn't take them seriously. You know, you looked at... Yeah, they felt, they felt theoretical. Yeah. And they felt like a kind of an opening gambit a little bit. You know, you look at the University of Alaska. You know, they responded. They they had been building their presentation uh, to respond to an unknown number yesterday, and their worst case scenario was sixty million dollars. They ended up with one hundred and thirty million dollars. So, you know, they said that they they had planned a budget on um, rationality. Yeah, we'd assume some degree of rationality. <laughs> yeah. So I think people just weren't. Expecting it, and I think people were asking the University of Alaska President Jim Johnson basically, why? Well, why didn't you pre- prepare for the hundred thirty million dollars? And he basically likened it to like a car crash. Like, you can kind of prepare for it, but you can't stop all the pain from a car crash. You know, you can. 
that you just can, can't prepare for something of that magnitude. And, you know, and so the university is is now discussing, you know, if they can't get the override. This, this is kind of, I think, the important part now is telling people what what's going to happen if these these vetoes stand. And then the, legisl- and the university is kind of not really super clear on what will happen, but they're basically saying that they will have to begin to restructure everything. So they kind of declare this thing called financial exigency um, that don't, but don't call it bankruptcy um, that would allow them to basically just lop off whole programs and faculty just overnight. And campuses. And campuses. Right. Because that's what, at this level of cut, they are talking about closing campuses. Right. And so whether or not that is rural campuses or, or, or the, the main, one of the main campuses, that's kind of unknown right now. They have this kind of duty to teach out that requires them to help, at least help um, students kind of finish their degrees, whether that's maybe tra- helping them transfer to a different school or, or whatever. But I can't assume that those options are going to be all that great like in the past no. when they have eliminated a program they will keep like the minimal faculty on board to kind of teach literally teach out that program you might look at cases now where you say well if you want to finish this degree you're gonna to have to move to fairbanks to do it or if you want you're gonna to to move to anchorage or you have to move to uas yeah it's gonna be a nightmare for a bunch of like sophomores and, and juniors who are like a year or two away from getting a degree that are gonna to have to reroute relocate reimagine what their program is and that might mean moving out of state that might mean moving across the state um but the reality is it's going to be like just sort of a, a personal bureaucratic nightmare um yeah not to mention all the all the teachers that are just going to be sol yeah and, and so the university is talking about 1300 jobs lost you know they employ about 7,000 people um, there's kind of old ICER numbers that sort of say uh, $100 million cut equals 1,000 jobs lost. I think if you kind of look at how the university might handle this, I think that's probably a pretty reasonable thing to say. And yeah, I think that the really kind of scary thing here is that, um, you know, I think, like, I'll be honest, like, I'm, I'm going to school, I think, is a thing that a lot of, jur- going back to school is a thing that a lot of journalists in their early 30s consider. And um, so I'm, I'm considering it right now. And in the end, I'm like looking at a lot of University of Alaska Anchorage programs. And um, and I have to ask myself, you know, now do I want to go to a place that might not be around or do I, you know, what's going to happen to the accreditation? Like there's a lot of like fears that come there because like going back to school is an investment. And so it's like buying a house right now, too. I would imagine there's a lot of like big financial decisions that people might either put off or take somewhere else because of this. Right. Yeah. Marion and I have thought about buying a house. We got pre-qualified. We have looked around a little bit. And then basically, you know, Dunleavy got elected and started talking about destroying the state budget. And I was like, well, this is going to mean massive change in, in real estate prices as people move out of state and relocate. So, I mean, even if it doesn't, it seems like the potential is there. And so, like, why would I want to jump into a housing market that's about to crumble or has the potential to crumble even. And so it gives you this like it's it gives you pause, it gives you hesitation. Just this like irresponsible governance is is not going to be good in the next 5 to 10 years as as it rattles through our economy. I think too that there's like a lot of people that would sort of suggest that like we're being hyperbolic with a lot of these sort of 
changes. And they kind of point back to the last few years under Walker, where we only didn't really see the same magnitude of cuts in the same time frame. We saw the same kind of magnitude of cuts spread out over four years, um, and we're in a recession for it. And I think a lot of there's a lot of things that are different now than they were then. I would say I think one of the big things is that a lot of the job loss that Alaska saw was from people who didn't live here anyway. So pe- people didn't have homes to to sell, and so um, there's a lot of the the I think that a lot of the pain will be felt a lot more by Alaskans this time around. Um, and I also say I think there was a lot more vision. You look at a lot of the ways that. Um, Walker kind of direct, you know, Walker directed things. I think, you know, for better or worse, I think that he tried to kind of minimize the pain a little bit. And I think it maybe gave Alaskans a false sense of security in some regards, but I think it was also the responsible thing to do. And I think, you know, you look at the way he handled like the layoff notices and stuff like that, like it at least gave people time to prepare and know that he was working to try to fix it. Like layoff notices never went out. I don't, from my understanding, this time around. Right. He was upfront about it. Like, Walker was upfront about it. He worked through the legislative process. The The, the big thing that he did veto was the permanent fund and the, um, you know, the oil tax c- credits, right? And and he got he got bit back for that. Like, that was basically why he lost the, why, well, you know, he lost the election because he wasn't in it. But it but it was basically why his polling mm-hmm. numbers were so bad is because of, of those vetoes. People don't like these last minute surprises. And I think that the the idea that you can govern through veto is is probably not a great idea because it, it's a it's kind of an end run around the legislative process, which is an end run around the public process, which which really is just like wielding your power. And I think that the more you wield your power, the more you're spending down your political capital. And so I think that whatever Dunleavy's getting out of this is going to cost him a lot. And I think that anyone that supports him, it's going to cost them a lot too. You know, your Lance Pruitts and your Republican minority, they're, if they stand behind these vetoes and and they are seen through, they're going to you know see the repercussions of that in the next election, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of Republicans out there, a lot of conservatives who you know, would like to see schools and, and property values maintain their, maintain their value. You know, I think there's, there's, there's real damage, I think, here that can be done to like, what this kind of like sacred cow of the private economy in Alaska. There's this sort of magical thinking that all this industry will come into Alaska now and, and it will make up for all these sort of cuts. And it's like, that's, we've never seen that happen. You know, like you look at the, the federal tax cut, for example, and it's like it's not paid for itself. It's it's made people. It's made the rich richer and the poor the same or worse. And 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 it's so frustrating, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, I I think of it like you know, there's like this forest fire metaphor. You know, when the when the forest fire comes through and burns it down, it creates this like nutrients that then allows for all this new growth. But it doesn't mean that we want to run around intentionally starting a bunch of forest fires, and that's what we're doing here. Like we, instead of instead of like dealing with the natural occurrences that that impact our economy, and then supporting regrowth, we're like raising a field and hoping that it, hoping that some seeds take. And it's it's a, it's very irresponsible. And I think too, I think there's this kind of tendency for people to look at the greater economy and say well if the economy or the stock market or the whatever is doing well then everyone's doing well <laughs> and it's just yeah it's so infuriating because you know i don't see how a bunch of oil development is going to directly affect 
you know, a homeless guy in downtown Anchorage or, you know, those sort of things, like the kind of people who are on the edge and who need, you know, some kind of safety net, you know, people who are in drug addiction or, you know, low income seniors or, you know, children who are in, you know, legal need of aid, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah. Are all going to hurt because of this And, and kind of like for what, you know, so. I don't see, and I, that's the thing is, I don't really see a whole lot of people getting rich off of this budget, unless they're unless they're getting these like direct contracts or, or directly employed. But it's not like there's not like this huge industry that's like waiting to come into town, I guess. And so I don't see that's what I think is frustrating. Like, what's the upside? Yeah, yeah. Who knows what they're trying to get out of it aside from just like downward pressure on government? And I think that's really the end game. It's like you know, it's this idea that government is out of control and it needs to be reined in and and we need super small government so that we can all like live our best lives free of government oppression um may <laughs> i mean like that's attractive like i don't like filling out paperwork um but it seems like government does some important things that i i want to keep around and it helps people out that like i don't have time to help out you know if if you have these uh, lawyers who advocate for people that don't have enough money to advocate for themselves, like that's not something I can do as an individual very well. Like it's great. That's a great thing for the government to do. Right. I don't know. It just, it, it's wild. And so like I serve on the Alaska state council on the arts and um, you know, it, it was wild yesterday to be sitting there and hear them like hear them list our name on this dispassionate list of, of entities that are being eliminated. And I'm like, wow, that's, you know, those are, uh, some great staffers that we work with and our board is really wonderful right now and uh, we support a lot of organizations organizations around the state and individual artists and um, you know I think that that ASCA is like this kind of invisible hand in in our arts and culture sector where we support all these individual artists with grants and we give um, arts organization grants like like you lived in Fairbanks and the um, you know the Fairbanks Arts Association does a lot of work up there we we give them a ton of money and it's um, you know that that gives them flexibility they match the money that we that we bring that we give them um, with donors and programs and it's just um, like this arts money has a really good multiplying effect and it's not going it, I don't feel like it's being used frivolously I think that it's supporting things that people care about like uh, the silver hand program is a great example we do this um, we have this program for authenticating native artwork that pr- provides some shelter for artists that are actually trying to make a living off of their artwork and uh, you know this is a way to uh, protect them from from uh, fraud so basically people that are like making knockoffs of, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm making knockoffs of totem poles in Taiwan and selling mm-hmm. them in downtown Juneau to tourists. And so it's, you know, it, that it helps protect from that kind of thing. And I think that we've got this indigenous culture here that like all of the, um, all the like beautiful artwork that's being done is something that is unique to Alaska in a way that nothing else is that we, ha- you know, we've got like, sure, we've got oil and we've got mining and we've got timber and you know whatever otter pelts you want to go after but but i think that all of these resources that we have you know it, like they in a way they pale comparison to our human cultural artifacts because they just aren't as unique and they aren't as special and they aren't as personal to this place um so i don't know i mean it's just a it's so hard to justify in economic terms but but 
I feel like we're always forced into that box of like, okay, well, you want to protect the arts. Let's talk about how the arts impacts the economy. And it's, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get into my whole spiel here, but like, there's like, we, not only is our state funding been eliminated, but our ability to receive funds from the federal government and our ability to receive funds from private foundations, um, from outside the state, we were getting money from Margaret A. Cargill, uh, philanthropies and, you know, putting that into arts education in the state, having artists in the schools and having teaching artist programs has been a really nice way to like fill in the gap. I just see the things that we do kind of reverberating through not the economy, but through our, our culture and through our quality of life. Um, in, in, and I don't, I don't know. I don't think our absence is like a great thing. We will be the only state in the union without a, a an arts, uh, you know, without an arts agency. And it's uh, not a great badge of honor to wear. So, you know, so I, I saw you up, up in Anchorage about a week ago uh, where you were up here for Alaska State Council, the arts meeting. And I was just really, you know, you had a lot of energy and a lot of optimism and, you know, you guys are doing great work and you're telling me all the, all about it. And, I think that's kind of what I think government's sort of there to do in some regards. It's, you know, I think it becomes a force, you know, with just a little bit of money to sort of create a lot of sort of energy and optimism and that reverberates out and makes just, I don't know, makes lifts people up and, and makes things better and makes things kind of more lively and more fun and more vibrant. And I just don't see, you know, I think work like that will continue in some form, but it's it the reach and and the inclusivity i think it could really lose out and i think that is what's really difficult you know i looked at you had a thread about some of the the artists and and work that you guys have done and you know there's you know a a kid rapping uh, alaska native rapper and like you know what kind of support might that kid get if not for the the, the arts council or what kind of exposure what kind of things that do they help him with and that he might not be able to have otherwise and i think the state's richer for that kind of stuff and for those kind of people. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm in, in obviously, obviously I'm in total agreement. And I just, yeah. and I also just think about our staff. Like we've got this like really great, I, I feel like I see, I see this little microcosm of state government. Like we've got this staff of four people who are all wonderful and they've, the way this has been handled has been so disrespectful of them. Like they, they have been just like up in the air. They don't even know if they're going to have a job next week, you know, we, they had to wait until June 28th on a Friday to find out that they, that there was no budget for their agency come Monday. And so like that doesn't give them a lot of time to like plan or to, to figure out what comes next in their lives. And, and I feel like that's one of the worst things about this process is that there hasn't been any sort of like thought put into what's going to happen to these people that are losing their jobs? Like, I feel like if you're going to let a valued employee go, you give them some notice and you say, Hey, listen, it, we're, it's, it's hard times for this business and we're going to have to make some cuts. And so, you know, we're going to, you know, probably in like two weeks, you, you're going to be looking for another job and you give them some time to like deescalate. But this is just sort of an overnight thing. And it's, you know, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with the art bank. The the Alaska State Council on the Arts houses the uh, the art bank for, for Alaska, the contemporary art bank. Um, you know, a lot of those paintings are hanging or, or art pieces of artwork are hanging in government offices. 
um, both in the state and in Washington, D.C. And so, like, we need to collect those back now and we need to deaccession them. We need to, like, figure out where they go now that our office is going to close. Like, what's what happens with our lease that we have signed? Does the state continue paying that and we just don't inhabit it? Someone else does? Or I mean, it's there's a lot of, like, crazy logistics and there's not going to be anyone there to figure it out because they're not going to be employed. I, it's going to be just a mess this next couple of weeks. And I, I try and, so I see, I look at the little tangled web of our one little corner of government. And I think about how that must look in all in the most broader spectrum and like how many people are going to be trying to figure out their lives and how many people are going to be trying to figure out who takes care of what piece of, of this important, you know, like of, of our state, you know, whether it's cultural artifacts in, in the case of the contemporary art bank or whether it's important information or data or um, procedures that are just going to be kind of left sitting or, or lost in this process. <laughs> Sorry, that was a good pep talk. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm having um, a hard time not ending any sort of thought with, oh, it's so frustrating or, oh, it's yeah. so depressing because I mean, that's kind of what it is right now. I agree with you. It is frustrating and depressing, but I think that like that's the time that we all need to kind of band together and we need to like let it be known that this is not what we want. You know, that like I think there are a large group of Alaskans out there, you know, I mean, I don't know if they're if they're Mike Dunleavy's real Alaskans or not, but I think there are a lot of Alaskans that that don't think this is the direction we should go. I think there are a lot of Alaskans who wanna who want more from their government not less and I, I don't know I, I think we need to reach out to our representatives especially if we have representatives who are in the Republican minority I think we need to put pressure on the on people like Mia, Mia Costello and Peter Machicki who are who are kind of in the like 3k or bust camp um, to, and we need we need people to understand that that we don't want a $3,000 PFD at the expense of all of our state, you know, all these important state services. And I think that there's some pressure that can be brought to bear. And I think that some of these vetoes will probably ultimately be overridden. Um, and it's, I don't know if that's going to be like a basket of, of, of vetoes that get bundled together and passed. Um, I don't know what kind of crazy horse trading is going to go on, but I do think that there's potential for some of this to be pushed back against. And I don't think this is over yet. So I, I do hope that, I don't know if anyone's listening out there, I do hope that you'll write to write to whoever you, you know. This is a small state and word of mouth travels very far. I feel like we're all someone's brother's cousin's friend. Uh, you know, we've all got a leg in some door and we all need to use that to make a difference. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I look back to kind of honestly how I felt after the 2016 election and think just about how, um, you know, we can't rely on rationality to win out. You know, we can't we <laughs> we, we can't uh, just assume that um, sort of the things that we care about will be taken care of. Well, like we're lucky to have a state where, you know, where for so long we were everything kind of I, don't know, I think everyone was working together in a, in a common cause. I think the direction um, that we might we might all we might want to be going might be different for different people, but it didn't feel like um, it felt like you look back and it looks it looks like people tried to make things better, you know. And I think that people cared about the communities in a lot of different ways. And to see this um, 
questions a lot of that, I guess. Yeah, Matt, it's our turn, man. We got to do the work. Yeah. That's that's really that's really what it comes down to. I think you're absolutely right. Like we've mm-hmm. we've grown up in kind of a, a a situation where like we had the the boomer generation kind of just ran things without any question, and like we just sort of were able to coast along. And I think that you know it's it's time for for all of us you know, younger generation of Alaskans to really step up and to do the work now and to, you know, if you want a better Alaska, like you need to be engaged in that, in that conversation and you need to be, you need to be a part of it. And I, I think that, you know, one of the things I'm running into is like, you, you saw a bunch of the conversations on Twitter yesterday. It was really, it was really, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of passion, a lot of fire and, <laughs> and, and also just sort of a lot of like, tutting and explaining like oh it's not going to be that bad and everything will be okay and I, I you know I I I feel like I'm playing whack-a-mole with that a lot because there's you've got you've got kind of two feelings that you're fighting against you've got this this idea that like maybe it's not as bad as you think it'll be and we won't really know until we see in the end you know I, I don't I don't want to go down that road I don't want to find out I'm right later and be like oh well I was right that's fucking great and then I don't I also don't want to I also don't want to feel like there's nothing I can do. I think that that's kind of the other feelings mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I guess we I guess we lost. I guess we can't do anything about it because there there are things we can do and there are there are things that we can support and efforts we can support. And so, you know, I, I'd say don't let anyone put out your fire, like just yeah, keep working on what you think is right and and try and hang on to, you know, try and keep an open mind, but don't let anyone put out your fire. And fight for hell in, in the elections, and especially the local elections. You know, you look at, um, you know, the the state elections might have gone one way, but a lot of local elections are trending more progressive in a lot of different ways. And I think, um, you know, just like we kind of were relying on the state to sort of backstop changes on the federal level, like we're going to need to rely on the local level to backstop the changes on the state level. And, um, you know, I don't think anything, you know, they're not going to be able to do everything that the state level state was providing. But I think there are uh, it's important to stay engaged on, on all levels, because I think a lot of really uh, kind of mag- big impacts can be driven by by local decisions. Yeah. And I don't even think this is like is about progressive versus conservative. I think this is really just talking about like people who like have you know like people who got theirs and are pulling up the ladder behind them versus everyone else you know i think it's right. it's really it's really about like entitlement and privilege against every other person who doesn't have a shot at that and you know if you call it conservatism that's fine because it, it trends that way but i but i don't think this is about r's and d's i think this is about haves and have nots and um you know we got a lot of have nots in alaska and we've got to we've got to work on that yeah i think that's a great point i think people who you know there are there are a lot of people in alaska for for who that this this whole thing if the veto, all the vetoes stand they'll it'll be okay for a lot of people and but it will not be okay for a lot of other people and you know regardless of whether or not the whole thing kind of turns out to be a net positive doesn't mean that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to hurt along the way and i think it's important for us to be understanding and compassionate of those people and fight for them even if it even if the pain isn't going to be felt by us if uh, i think it's important to stand up for somebody else too yeah it's kind of the alaska way right absolutely we can't and we can't be complaining about you know we can't be complaining about things like homelessness and anchorage if we're taking around taking out all the services that support those people you know like that you're inviting you're inviting that problem so live with it that's right 
you know, that's, that's just what we're going to be looking down the pipe at. And so, you know, if we want to fix things, we've really got to like put some institutional power behind those things. And when we pull that support away, we've got to know that that's the problem we're inviting. And Alaska's right. got plenty of problems. So we, I don't know. Anyways, uh, I think that's plenty, Matt. I don't know if that there's yeah. like I don't know that there's like a real like end point on this. We're 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 still in transition. Um, I guess I do have one question for you. Um, I don't know that this about the legislative process, but if they um, if they wanted to, could they pass another appropriation bill? Like if they, they could. So so this, they could fail to overturn all of these vetoes and then come to an agreement partway through the year on some appropriations to help out like say the university is just sinking uh completely right. completely underwater they could come in and and do a uh a, a, a late year appropriation to help out the agency or something like that right because you know i think that the thing is that there's going to be a lot of decisions that are going to be made really quickly right by everybody involved i think the legislature is going to be making decisions quickly that any of these agencies that are impacted by it yeah, so it could look end up looking a lot worse for some places, and and it could change some minds. And I think that's why I think trying to explain the impacts as clearly and as concisely now is going to be really important for for groups. I think if the university can come and say we're going to have to shut down UAS or UAA um, yeah. or UAF, like that's going to be a lot more important, a lot more impactful than saying well, we'll have to evaluate, you know, or something, you know, that's kind of, I think they need to really kind of, a lot of people need to start shedding this kind of bureaucratic kind of shielding talk, Yeah, you know, because I think like the reality is that we, we, that sort of talk might've been useful in a, in a place where, um, again, rationality was going to be, went out, but you know, we're not in that kind of, um, paradigm anymore. And, And I think being more clear, and straightforward with everything is going to be really important right now. Yeah, if ASCA goes away or if the Ocean Ranger program goes away, those aren't things that you're going to like bring back halfway through the year. Oops, we made a mistake. Well, let's fund those now. Like it's going to take yeah, you know, closing an agency down, closing down a program, it it's a lot harder to get it restarted again uh, from a right. you know cold engine perspective. So yeah, um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's call that an episode and and check back yeah. in check back in in a few days and kind of see how things are doing maybe next week or something sounds good all right good talking to you matt good talking to you take care all right bye alaska bye